I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill Apter, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. We are proud to be part of the VOC Nation Rock Radio Network. Stadium Journey is more than just a wicked awesome podcast. Our website, stadiumjourney.com, contains over 2,500 stadium reviews, news items, and great features perfect for the traveling sports fan. And in addition to the website, we are all over social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Like us, follow us, share our stuff, tell your friends. The Stadium Journey podcast is the perfect companion to listen to while you're on a road trip. Just type in VOC Nation Radio Network into your podcast search app or search for us on Spotify. In addition, all of our old video podcasts are on the Stadium Journey YouTube channel. It's perfect for binge watching. And we also stream live on twitch.tv slash damlaw83. Everyone who's there now, welcome. Participate with the show. We love to have your input live on the air. And now, let me have a minute here, and we will introduce our starting lineup tonight. We've got Dave Cotney with us. You can follow him at ProFan9. Mark Dikas can be found on the internet at Ballpark Hunter. Our producer, the above-average comedian, Dan Calachico, is online at DanLaw83. And I am Paul Baker. You can follow me at PuckmanRI. And tonight, we are very happy to be joined by our own Philly slash Baltimore slash D.C. correspondent, Richard Smith. You can find him online at ColeWiki. Hey, Richard, so what is exactly your title at Stadium Journey nowadays? I think I am the CFO, which means I sign your paychecks. <laughs> well, oh, we, will, well. We, will be, we will be extra nice to Richard tonight. Oh, what? We have no. I meant correspondent-wise, but anyway. <laughs> that is fine. I am technically the Mid-Atlantic Regional Correspondent. 
Um, that used to cover Philadelphia to College Park, Maryland. We changed it a little bit because I was covering a lot of DC, but that's now we've got Gregory covering that. Um, and then I eliminated the Philadelphia area, um, even though we do not have a Philadelphia person, so I still somewhat cover that. <laughs> so you don't do DC and you don't do Philly. You do everything in between. I do, and I do all of <laughs> Delaware except for Wilmington, of all places, because we put that in Philadelphia. Delaware is very big. I understand, but it's moot because we don't have a Philadelphia person. So. Oh, okay. That would be like me doing Rhode Island and letting somebody else do Providence. Yeah, <laughs> it's so, fine. Um, if we ever get a Philadelphia person, we could work it out. Right now, yeah. I, later talk later so uh tonight we're going to talk about we're going to focus on baltimore and washington so by combining the two cities we're going to piss off everybody in both of those cities because even though they're located right next to each other they're not the same by any stretch of the imagination i don't know fill our listeners in on, on the dynamic that is baltimore and washington please uh baltimore does not like washington Washington probably doesn't know Baltimore exists. That pretty much some, except to go to the airport because BWI is a cheaper airport than Dulles or National. Um, that's pretty much it. Yeah, Baltimore definitely has a an inferiority complex yeah. when it comes to Washington D.C. Yep, that would that would honestly that sums it up. H- having lived for four years in Baltimore, I'm well aware of it. Yes. <laughs> Now, what about with the uh, Orioles? Because the Nationals are a relatively, relatively recent phenomenon. Um, maybe I'm aging myself again because uh, it doesn't seem like they've been around that long. But Washington was without a baseball team for a long time. Um, did was that? Uh, did they sort of de facto head over to Baltimore? Thirty four years. Yeah, I, for I, the honestly, days of the Senators, or yeah, actually, DC was an Orioles town. Um, home team sports was the local regional network around here for years. And it was actually the regional network from, from Baltimore all the way down to the Carolinas. Um, so you will still see a lots of Carolina love for the Orioles. Southern Virginia is a very strong Orioles area. Um, Norfolk is the AAA affiliate and it fits very well because of that. And I think you will still find a lots of DC area people who are Orioles fans who also have now adapted the nationals um the orioles fans can tend to annoy the nationals fans because of their um propensity to yell out oh during the national anthem and it is not popular at nationals park and the orioles fans including myself when we go to nationals park we say it a little extra loud just for that reason well, good for you and but wasn't that uh Weren't the Orioles part of the reason and, and Peter Angelo's part of the reason why it took so long for the Nationals to actually get to Washington because uh, you know they had to haggle out territorial rights and TV deals and all of that kind of stuff? And that has still not been worked out. The Mass and Sport Net, Sports Network now, which is owned, majority owned by the Orioles, minority owned by the Nationals, there's lawsuits over that split still as of now. Um, and that's uh, and those things will not be worked out for a long time. Now that Peter Angelos is still alive, but he's not an active part of the organization because he's very old and very sick. 
his sons have more of an active. I think those kind of things will change, um, but there's still a lots of animosity between the two teams and particularly the two cities too. So, so would you say that that's probably the biggest kind of local rivalry where, um, you know, Orioles fans love to beat the Nationals, Nationals fans love to beat the Orioles, or has it translated to the the Ravens and the football team? Or Honestly, it almost doesn't exist as a sports rivalry because I don't think the Orioles are national fans. In fact, there's lots of bleed over um, mm-hmm. in some places. Um, the Ravens and Redskins fans, are it's they're different conferences also, just like the Nets and the Orioles are in different leagues. Um, and then honestly, even though I'm a Flyers fan, Dan, because um, I am not originally from Maryland, and honestly, I still find it annoying that Baltimore fans like the Capitals. We have a lot of Capitals fans in the entire Maryland region. Um, and that's not just recent because of their recent success. It's just, it's always been a, especially since the Capitals were located in Maryland for a long time. Um so sports rivalries between the two cities don't exist. When we mentioned earlier about the two cities not liking each other, that's just they don't like each other. Sports rivalries, it doesn't make a difference. Well, like you said, Richard, uh, I know uh, you mentioned HCS, Home Team Sports, and they used to carry the, the bullets and the Capitals back in the day. So I think that's why Baltimore kind of is in Washington territory with those sports. Yeah, I think that the Wizards really don't have much of a presence in Baltimore, um, and that's and that's honestly because they did change from the Bullets name when they were the Washington Bullets and playing out of the Capitol Center. Obviously, they were originally the Baltimore Bullets before they moved there, but they played a few games a year still even um, almost until they became the Wizards back in Baltimore at the Royal Farms, what's now the Royal Farms Arena. Um but now, honestly, I just don't think anyone cares about the Wizards. It's not a, it's not an NBA area per se. Um, there's actually no NBA team I think around here that anyone really supports. So. All right, guys, don't all jump up at once. <laughs> yeah, no, Baltimore's exciting. All right now, <clears throat> I guess here's how I look at Baltimore. If I had to pick a handful of cities that need a new sports arena. It'd be Cincinnati and Baltimore would be number one and two on my list. We have talked about Royal Farms Arena on this show a, a time or two, yeah. But being yeah. that I've, I haven't been there in years, I don't think it's changed much, maybe the name. Mark, it was a dump in the 80s. It hasn't, Mark, it hasn't. It <laughs> hasn't. Feel like, it hasn't changed at all. Um, it hasn't changed at all, and I've got lots of thoughts about that arena. Um, and I know Dan's a big wrestling guy. That's a it's a famous wrestling arena. Yeah. Yes, I know Dan. Um, I was actually there in 1998 or so for oh whatever WCW pay per view. I can't remember the name of it at the time. It is a dumpy, it's a dumpy arena. It really is. Um, and it's now the Royal Farms Arena. It used to be the Baltimore Civic Center years ago, the Baltimore Arena, First, First Mariner. Mariner Arena, yeah. all the different various <laughs> names. Here is the thing about the Royal Farms Arena. It's a square arena. And when I say square, that means the corners of it, the seats actually face each other, not, the, not out onto the field. Um, it has a built-in stage, which is awkward. Um, yeah, that's very awkward. It's... <laughs> It's, you know, it's clean. We can put it at that. But here's the other thing about it is one of the most profitable 
medium-sized arenas in the country. Okay. And the city of Baltimore owns it, managed by whatever normal management (laughs) company, SMG or one of those. And it makes a lots of money for the city every year. In fact, it makes even more money now that it does not have a sports uh, affiliate there. It brings in concerts, except for during COVID, it bring in, brings in concerts all the time. And it just, it, it's, it's money, constant money bringing into that place. So that's why, that's why mm-hmm. we'll never see a new arena in Baltimore in our lifetimes? There's always talk about a new arena. <clears throat> talking about replacing it either on that location, which probably will not happen because it does have a great downtown downtown. location. Yeah. But it's not, but it's not that reason. It's just because they would lose money Mm -hmm. by the time that they raised it and they lose all those concerts would go elsewhere. Um, And there's talk about maybe other places, but I, it just brings in so much money. I don't think the desire is there. And the general belief is that there wouldn't be an NHL team. There's not going to be an NBA team. Mm -hmm. Why change what's already working is but, what I think. But, but you could have the blast finally have their premier stadium. Well, except that <laughs> Ed Hale, who is the owner of the blast, um, he, him and the city of Baltimore apparently do not see eye to yeah. eye. And I don't think that will be happening anytime soon. The blast, if people don't know it, even though they're yeah. not playing this year because of COVID um, longtime indoor soccer league in Baltimore and we're talking their popularity is right below the Orioles, basically. 41 years. Now, they were technically the Baltimore Spirit for a few years. Yes. And it's not technically the same operation. Yes, yes. But, but they've been a consistent, long yes. team for 41 years. There's always been soccer. There's always been success. soccer in Baltimore, which is amazing, because I think that's probably the longest streak of any indoor soccer team. Wow, did you think we would ever talk about indoor soccer on the Stadium Journey podcast, but it is Baltimore. We got to give you some love. All right, Dave. And honestly, if you get a chance to go to the new Blast facility, they play out of Towson CQ Arena, and it is probably the smallest soccer field you will ever see. Yes, it's odd. It's ridiculously small, but you know what? That place is packed for every game. So, all right. So, does Washington and Baltimore end up like divvying up concerts? Um, kind of based on that size. So like the bigger acts that would require or like a big, a big arena show would, would go to, I don't even know, is it Capital One Arena now? Is that it what is it Capital is in Washington? Arena. Um, I and think then kind of your, your mid-sized smaller acts would go to Baltimore? Or? I think it's even more complicated than that. I think you're going to get really big acts are going to go to Capital One, but they're also going to, some of them will go to Baltimore. Um, you know, we the Garth Brooks concert that was here a couple of years ago, I think he performed seven, uh, seven nights in a row at Royal farms. Um, Capital one is a slightly bigger arena, but then you've also got medium sized arena. Like um, I don't remember what's called now. I think it's Eagle bank arena down at George Mason, whatever their current name is. Um, we even have APG FCU arena, another credit union um, up here in Harford County, Maryland. That brings in acts that could go around 5,000 seats. So it's way more complicated than that. Um, I think a lots of acts can actually play in both places. I mean, I so, guess the, yeah. yeah, I guess the population is so big I enough. I was expecting 
I was sort of expecting you guys to sort of harass me about my Oriole Park review from a few years ago. Oh, we'll yeah, get to your, that. We will it, get to that. Yeah, and, and the right, I was waiting for that one. <laughs> and I we're, laying, we're laying a foundation. We're, we're, we're trying yes. to educate what does the uh, the Beltway area, the Baltimore, Washington area, what is And what I have a justification like and a response to it, too. So. By the way, right. Richard, it was Great American Bash 1998. That well, was it. Um, technically, I think it was two things. It was technically Great American Bash, and then I believe it was Nitro the night after. It was Nitro the night after. Yeah, they always did that in June. Yep. Well, well here's one question. If I'm attending, let's say I'm at an Orioles game and I want to go to uh, a Nationals game at night, how long is that going to take me during rush hour? Um, it's Forget probably it. between the two stadiums. I'm going to say it's probably 25 miles. Yes. Like 40 miles, um, the two cities, but probably 25 at that point. But it is Baltimore, Washington. So that 25 to 40, whatever, could take anywhere from a half hour to three hours. Yes. It is, we, you're going to be dealing with two different beltways, the Baltimore Beltway and the D.C. Beltway. Interstate 95 and all those in between, you're, you're going to be lucky if you can make it to both, but then other times it'll be a breeze between the both places. We used to always sneak down 195. We skipped 95 entirely. Yeah, the, and there's the Baltimore-Washington Parkway, which sort of sneaks around that area. Yeah. Too. All right, so since you brought it up, Richard, let's get into Camden Yards. I was Yards. really hoping for this. How all much right. better is Nationals Park than Camden Yards? Okay. So for those of you who have, have not known Stadium Journey for a long time, or those of you who have, you may remember that uh, in our existence, our 10-year existence, we have Andy. given out one perfect 5.0 rating, and that was Richard's review of Camden Yards, and uh, I think he was soundly and mercilessly criticized for it, especially by me. <laughs> well, it's the original. And I have a complete reason, and I will tell you the reason why it is no longer a perfect stadium, and it's no longer also the best stadium in Baltimore. Whoa. Um, when that when that review was posted, I felt it was the perfect venue at that moment. Now, since then, here's the thing that's about Baltimore: is we've got two major sports organizations, the Orioles and the Ravens. The Orioles have, we're not talking winning record because that's not the important thing. It's the way the two organizations operate in town. The Orioles are, let's say, let's say cheap is the, is a nice word. The Ravens are not just willing to use spend money, but they do things correctly. They had one major hiccup with the Ray Rice situation, but generally that organization plays the game correctly. They work with local people. They, they're a community-based operation. They also know how to spend money where it should be spent. So if you look at those two stadiums, Oriole Park is still a great facility. It's, it's an amazing, it set the trend for everything else. But here's the thing. The Orioles are willing to sort of let it just be Oriole Park. Whereas we know we do this all the time at Stadium Journey. We know that you need to tweak things. The Orioles' idea of tweaking things is maybe adding a new hot dog. The Ravens will 
put purple every place. They'll add monitors in locations throughout every place in the stadium. They'll change ticket, um, well, they'll raise ticket prices, but then they'll lower concession prices. They'll add new interesting seating facilities and um, they'll make sure the club level is great because that brings in lots of money, but then they also make sure the the fans are paying for the 700 level or whatever it is in M&T that they get a great facility. So right now in Baltimore, Oriole Park is still great. It really is. Um, and if I really did do a serious top five list, which I did not do, Oriole Park would be in my top five. It would probably not be number one. It was perfect when I reviewed it and gave that perfect score. I do not give it the perfect score now because it's sort of resting on its laurels. Whereas right next door, M&T Bank Stadium is now 20, almost 24 years old. You walk into that stadium, it feels like a brand new stadium with everything a fan wants. It looks beautiful. Things are polished and shiny. There's monitors and everything just feels good. Whereas the Orioles are just Oriole Park. So I think that when I gave it the the uh, 5.0 score, it deserved it. Now, it's still a great, it's a, it's a great ballpark, but right now M&T bank stadium is the class stadium in the Baltimore, Washington region. And when I say that you also have to realize that we've also got some stinkers around here too. We've got FedEx field, which is only one year older than M&T bank stadium, but you could walk into that stadium and it looks like a thousand years old. So I, I really think that my 5.0 rating was justified, but right now I would not give that. I hope that yeah. – does that make sense? That was no, that, an intelligent yeah. and well-thought-out response. It has no place on this podcast. I know. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I quit. No, I, 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 think, I think there's nothing wrong with giving a stadium a 5.0. I mean, there's a ballpark north of me in Fort Wayne that I've had to think about giving a 5.0 or – uh, you know, score a little bit under that. And, you know, I think we're always told not to give a 5.0, but, you know, we've had albums on Rolling Stones or the source that have been given four mics or four stars. Well, and 5.0 doesn't mean everything. I'll, I'll give you a little tip. We're going to be doing our, our top minor league stadiums list too. Good plug. And good I, plug. I know. So Hashtag SJ so, event. So my top five, my, my top um, major minor league stadium and honestly, it's my top stadium in general is the Reading Phillies first energy stadium up in Reading. That's up there but too. But I could me. never give that a 5.0 rating because it's in a crappy part of a crappy city. Well, and I like Reading. City. But that stadium <clears throat> should deserve a 5.0 perfect rating. It can't because of where it's located. So in the neighborhood. And that's our metric, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the fault of our metric and also the greatness of our metric um, that we can recognize that Reading is a great stadium. It's not 5.0. Oriole Park was 5.0, but, you know, it, it's, it's 5.0 10 year, eight years ago when I rated it. So. I had yeah. Oriole Park as my, as my number one minor league baseball stadium. <laughs> double A, because the Orioles play at about a double A level. Actually, uh. <laughs> Um, the Bowie Bay Sox. No, they didn't play at Camden, but they did play at Old Memorial Stadium. Yeah, for they did. Ago. 93, I believe. Yes, they did. Or so I joked that they were going to be my top minor league stadium also. but 
hey, I remember going to, you know, having gone to Johns Hopkins, Memorial Stadium was a short walk up the, up 33rd Street. So we used to go all the time and get our $3 tickets. When I first moved to Baltimore, I actually thought Memorial Stadium was better than Fenway Park. Memorial Stadium had a certain life to it, I guess. And, and you, if anyone's been there, you know, it it doesn't look didn't look like much, but it it felt good. And to us stadium during reviewers, you know that feel when you go into it. Yes. Well, also Fenway Park, you know, it kind of ties in with what you were saying, Richard. Back in the '80s, that's how the Red Sox treated Fenway Park. Open the doors, let the people come in, look at the history, look at it. I'm not going to put a cent into it. They have since learned and improved every aspect of that ballpark. And it's really a different place now than when I was a kid, but I digress. And that's where, that's where a place like Toronto really struggles is because they're at the crossroads where, you know, they do have to keep doing things to the Rogers center, but uh, you know, it's also out there that it's, it's time to move on. It's time for, it's time for something different. Um, So how much, you know, are you, how much, good money are you throwing after bad right like you're not gonna are, are you gonna be able to get out that money that you put into roger center in such a short period of time it's hard to say i mean and i, I guess i went to a game at roger center and i very much enjoyed it um and i was very lucky that right before the game they decided to open the roof so you look up and go wow it's great yeah but then i went to go like get a you know a snack and I think I had to go five levels down and I couldn't find any place that would take a credit card and I couldn't, you know, it was just, and it was unimpressive. Um, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. But did I enjoy myself? Yes. And in fact, some of my greatest memories, I said it in my top five list and I did it sort of snarky. But, you know, one of my favorite memories is going to the Montreal Expos at that really weird stadium up in Montreal. It was great. I can enjoy myself at a lots of unique places. I like how you say that really weird stadium up in Montreal. And that refers to about three or four different places. Well, that is true because they do have a few of them right in even that same area. In fact, um, but I think we all know that the, the one with the roof that doesn't quite work. So yeah, but my memories of Montreal, I remember those seats were shaped oddly, and mm-hmm. I found that fascinating to open them up and down when I was there. And well, I, we had I, my daughter actually in a my daughter who's now you know, you know a civil engineer, but at that point was in a uh, stroller, and she was banging those seats up and down. Yeah. <laughs> I was first going, oh, it's so loud, but you know what? No one cared because it no one was there. Was. So. Right. Yeah, I would I say, was, 
yeah. one of the, the most difficult things, you know, to put together a, a perfect 5.0. I mean, everything has to be perfect. But the one that really I think is the, the most difficult category to hit is fans. To give a perfect five to a set of fans, I mean, they really have to go above and beyond. Um, and you have to look at it longer than just that one little snapshot when you're there. Like you to have a, a perfect five for fans, you have to show some history. And to me, you have to you have to show up when the times are rough and not just when you're winning the world series and, and, and this is to, where I you will. know, to go back to Oriole park, that's where I struggled with it because when I was there, it wasn't full. There were probably more Red Sox fans than there were Oriole fans. That's because Boston fans are five fans, no doubt. And of course and, I was there in 95. True, but I actually have a sort of a justification for that. Um, you know, some cities are, are very large and they're going to draw lots of people. Baltimore obviously is not a large city, even though it does have the Washington fan base. Um, But from living here, here's the thing with this is that this has been a team that's been, and you know, it's Peter Angelos's money and he could do whatever he wants with it, but he has been one of the historically, um, worst owners in sports history. Um, I mean, luckily we've got, you know, little tiny Dan down the road, down in Redskin, oops, excuse me, Washington football club territory that can sort of fight him for the, for that um, title. But he's been such a historically bad owner who has meddled with the operation of the team so much that you know, and I'm an Orioles fan, even though I'm a Cubs fan also because I grew up in, in in Illinois. So maybe that my perspective is always a little screwed up anyway. But I could see that when an ownership has done so much harm to the fan base, to a certain point, the fan base can be really strong. But at some point, they're going to be like, I'm just going to listen to it on the radio because I can't deal with how bad the operation of this team has been. And I think even now we're starting to see, even though the, obviously the Orioles are still going to have a not great record this year, you're seeing that now that Peter Angelos is hands-off, and it's mainly because he's he's literally not able to run the team, that now that team probably will start making the rise up. Hopefully his children are not like him on how they ran it, we'll see how it goes. So I want to give the fan base a little bit of credit because it, I feel like they were getting the hammer more than almost any other team for almost now 30 years. So Richard, do you feel that Baltimore has transitioned from a, from a baseball town to a football town or were they always a football town? I'm going to answer that one, Dave. They were always a football town. And now I, I'm not from, Baltimore originally, I didn't uh, move here until the late 80s. I grew up in Illinois, but the, what I and I grew up here after the Colts had moved away. Um, what I've always heard was this was a football town first. The Orioles were always the second one, and 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 Paul backed me up on um, me up on that, or I'm backing him up on that. So once, in fact, we saw um, Dave and I were talking pre uh, podcast about the CFL stallions, Baltimore football club, CFL Colts, whatever you want to call it. When that 
Canadian team moved here, not moved here. It was a brand new um, team, expansion team. They were drawing 35,000 people a game. Yes. In a Memorial place Stadium. that was not a great place to watch football. Because no. I, I did watch a few games at Memorial Stadium. And it now, was, it was better you... for the Canadian thing because it actually, the size of the state of the field right. yeah. worked better. It was one of the weird, the unique American stadiums that actually the Canadian was a better fit into that than the NFL game because it had the room for that. Mm. But 35,000 people were coming to a game. Um, yeah. You can actually, if you watch the old um, homicide television show, the NBC show, they even have a, a whole scene where they're at a Stallions game. And they're marveling at how many people were there. People just wanted football. Um, and unfortunately, the, the Stallions won the Great Cup exactly pretty much the same week that the Browns moved here. And it wasn't that they told the Stallions to move. The Stallions just went, hmm, we got to get out of here because NFL's in town. We can see the this writing on the wall. Yeah. Town. So conversely then, I think it would be fair to say that Washington was definitely a football town. But what the, what the heck happened to the the football team and and what would you say it is now? Is it like do you think it's still a a football I, town that's maybe kind of dormant or? I think there's two things here. First of all, I don't think it's a great sports town in general. It really is not. Um, I think <clears throat> that the Capitals have done a good job because they have good ownership, and that's the same owners as the Wizards. So you know that's give them a little pass on that. They have strong ownership that's bought into the community. But honestly, the other problem that they have, since it isn't a great sports town, they have bad ownership. So much of this comes to ownership. The Redskins slash Washington Football Club ownership is bad. And as just like with, and I'm not, a, I've never been a Redskins fan. I have lots of friends who work in that organization. I'm not a fan of their organization at all, really. But I feel bad for their fans because they've had ownership that is even Jack Kent Cook the last few years that he was alive was not a great owner because it was very similar to the Angelo situation. It was an aging owner who was sort of propping things up at that point. And then you've got Dan, who is historically bad. Um, so if you've got bad ownership in a town that's not a great sports town because it's a lots of transient fans, you're going to have problems. The Capitals yeah, we, have just done the right thing at the right time because to me, they're very similar like to the Ravens is they work with the community and get people to sort of buy into what they're selling. When I, when I went to, uh, and this is, this is almost shocking. When I went and saw the Redskins at the time, um, you know, that, and that was probably Oh three Oh four, something like that. Uh, it's, it's the the biggest professional football game I've ever been to. There was 92,000 people there. Tickets were really hard to get because at that point, you were able to sell your entire inventory as season tickets, which Washington did. And, and still uh, had an incredible waiting list at the time. Yeah, it was huge. But now they've had to reduce the capacity of the stadium. And even though they've done that, it doesn't sell out. And it's just it's just shocking to see how far they have fallen in you know a decade and a half you know two decades i mean even like 
the lions are, are hideous have been hideous since, you know, since Barry Sanders. And I mean, they, they still draw well and it's still a great time, even though they're going to be terrible and people still show up in droves to, to Ford field to see the lions. But I, well, like I said, they've got two issues. They've got that bad ownership. Like I will say Angelos and, and Snyder, bad, bad ownership. But the other thing I've said, and I, I mentioned it earlier, FedEx Field is, is a really bad facility. Like I said, it's only one year older than M&T Bank Stadium. But you, if you put the two stadiums next to each other, they do not even seem like they're in the same decade. Um, and yeah. some of those changes that they've done for capacity sakes is just ridiculous looking when you're inside of it. At one point, that stadium was like almost 100,000 people. And if you go in it now, they've actually physically taken down sections of the stadium. And then there's other sections of the stadium that are standing room only sections that they do as like party sections. And those don't count as capacity also. So when you're even in the stadium, it, it only not only looks old, then once you get into actual the seating bowl, you look around and there's just there's chunks of the stadium that are gone that used to be seat, seats. Um, it just looks ridiculous. There's covered sections and they're covered in the little FedEx, like uh, yellow and green and, you know, orange, whatever their little logo is. It's just, and they try, they've removed a couple seating sections lower to make like the standing room only a good standing room only section. They've tried some things, but it just is a bad stadium, bad ownership, and you can't combine bad location you can't combine all that and expect the fans are going to do that sort of the Orioles at least have it somewhat good and that they have a good stadium. The Washington football team is never going to be a great success. Even if they win sometimes on the field, they're never going to be a great success because of ownership and that stadium. It is that bad. I always felt that FedEx field was built to just pack in as many people as possible. It, it, to me, it, it was kind of a twin to, and not that I'd ever been there, but it was like a twin to to the Meadowlands, right? Let's let's just how many seats can we put in this place? Great, let's do it. Um, parking, great, let's charge seventy five bucks. Mm-hmm. How else are you going to get there? It's in the middle of nowhere, right? Like, I don't know. Uh, what What do you think are uh, is on the horizon? I mean, there's been a little bit of rumblings that um, they could move. Well move locations back to where RFK is um, and have a new stadium <laughs> built at, at the RFK location. Uh, what do you, what do you think, think that's the future holds? I think that time has passed for a couple reasons. Um, I think the RFK location is not a bad location. Really it works in lots of ways, but little by little now the RFK still sits there. It's going to be demolished at some point, but it's still sort of there. Um, but they've developed that area around it as a more of a, a rec and soccer facility and, and more of a park setting. I think the chances of a stadium moving back there is, is slim to none. Now, that does not mean they couldn't try to find some other place in, in D.C. proper. Um, you already saw they sort of carved out spaces for Audi Field. They carved out spaces for Nationals Park. Basically, is there room down there for a football stadium? 
Excuse? Not necessarily, but there's probably other places similar to that that they could do that. Remember when Dan Snyder tried to make it illegal to walk onto FedEx field properties so people would have to pay for parking? See, that's that bad ownership. So here's the thing is, even though the uh, Reds, I want to call them the Redskins, the Washington football team plays in Maryland, their training facility and the heart of that organization is a Virginia-based team. (laughs) So their best bet is if they can get into D.C., that's fine. I think that you're just going to run into some space limitations because where where do you – I'm sure they could do it, but where do you sit a, a football stadium in D.C.? It could be done. Their best bet is if they can find a good location in Northern Virginia. Northern Virginia is an extremely wealthy um, area of the country, not just of Virginia. It's where they are already training at. It's where most of their fan base is coming from. There's probably more people coming from that part of, um, of the DC area than anything in Maryland. So honestly, that's where they belong ideally dc would be there just because for historic sakes but they belong in northern virginia it's just northern virginia is like a political quagmire um, and that's going to be really hard for them to do but that's where they belong and that's really where they should be let me know so i can move first yeah and i and dan um i i I hate to see that because northern virginia is already um a mess anyway um, I love driving in Northern Virginia because I love just stop and go traffic constantly. Yeah, so much fun. I love it. I've spent more. I, I, you know, I've been down here. It would be 11 years in October. No, 10 years in October. And um, I see my f- friends and family that I grew up with in Philly and South Jersey complain about the traffic. And I'm like, I've spent more time in traffic in the 10 years I've been here than any driving in the city of Philadelphia in and around the Delaware Valley. Yeah, and and it's terrible. Northern Virginia, you know, like I said, I've been a lot, lot, I've been to Los Angeles. I've been to, I grew up not that far from Chicago. Um, I've been, been in New York, New Jersey area. DC traffic is probably the worst. And Northern Virginia is the worst part of DC traffic. Terrible. Terrible. It is where that I team mean, belongs to be though. It they was a, it was a, cl- I didn't mean to cut you off, Rich. It was a cluster F to try to get a second peanut stadium out here, which eventually, you know, in this immediate area, they went further, a little further south because where, where, where are you going? That's <laughs> where where is it gonna- was, right. Oh, God. It just, I can't imagine them trying to put the Red, uh, the Washington, I'm going to will this into existence, uh, the Red Hawks. Um, <laughs> I can't imagine where they're going to put the Red Hawks. Um, there's one other possibility that's been floated. There's an area in Maryland um, right north of what's called National Harbor. Yeah, uh, yeah. National Harbor is a sort of fake created town um, right on the Potomac south um, of the D.C. Beltway. The governor of Maryland has floated that some land that the state owns there, um, that that would be a good location. And honestly, that would be an ex- a decent location because it's got a, lots of roads near it. It doesn't, once again, just like FedEx, it doesn't have good metro or public transportation, but apparently they don't care about that. So um, that is a possibility. Um, but honestly, Northern Virginia is probably where they will end up and Dan will move away. Wow. At that point. I mean, I'm already trying. Uh, you got any any uh, views or hopes for, for a team name or are you going to stick with Dan's Red Hawks? Um, 
I think I like the Red Hawks too. I don't want to like agree with Dan on that one, but I think that name is the best of those. Um, well, it would be the first time. Just say you agree with me. It would be the first I mean, time are, on the are, show. Are there any uh, finalists? or? I, I've disagreed with you before, Dan, but I was just yelling. I've at heard Red Tails. No. Um, I think the Warriors is probably honestly it's the more <laughs> likely one because it's the sort of the what the, it's the the alliteration of it, yeah, yeah, and honestly, it's just a it's a it seems generic, it seems lazy, so honestly, that's probably what they're going to do. <laughs> Rich, sometimes I've written stuff after you friended me, and and I'm like, he's probably oh god, that's okay, especially wrestling related. I'm like, will you shut up? Well, and, and honestly, you know, I know we were talking about Baltimore and Washington, but my other favorite, in fact, I got one more Baltimore arena. I'll tell you about in a second, but my other favorite arena is located in South Philly. It's now what arena 2600, 2300 arena. Yep. Uh, it's the former ECW wrestling arena. Yeah. got to go to a wrestling show there right before COVID. Actually, it was about six months. Oh, <laughs> You went, went, oh, you went after refit. Oh, yeah. It's, it's the refit, so it's the boring version of it. Oh, my God, is that still a great place? And that was – no, I know it's nowhere the same. No, no. You Trust me. You want the cleaner version. Oh, because, you know, I don't really like stepping on urine all the time. Oh, dude, I, just a short – All the time. A short, a short aside, a short aside for you guys. The ECW arena, the arena Rich is talking about – Rich is talking about. I'm sorry. I don't know, like Rich, so I'm just going to – former yeah, I'm um, a rich guy yeah richard i, I corrected myself uh the ecw arena was a building that the uh it's ca- called viking hall the viking mummers team would build their floats in it was also used as a bingo hall uh downstairs the fright factory does a haunted house in the dark every year um they would have wrestling shows in this it was too hot in the summer even somehow hotter in the winter it smelled like butt all the time, butt and sweat. Uh, it was moist all the time. And I've only gone to the bathroom. I've been there a bunch of times when I was younger, and I've only gone to the bathroom once. I decided after the one time, going to hold it till I got home, which was right over the bridge. Um, and there was a joke at the beginning of COVID that we all said that if anybody's seen multiple shows at ECW Arena, you're probably immune to COVID because I, the words I'm telling you guys, it's really weird. There's this retrospect of this place where it's like this with the great shows happened there and the shows were great. I've never wanted to leave a building faster than when I went to ECW, saw the show and I'm like time to go. <laughs> and the arena is when we say it's located under I-95, it's we mean under. it's located underneath under. the highway It's under. in a warehouse. Like he said, it was a warehouse that they built floats at and they turned it into arena. Now it is, arena 2300 2300 arena whatever the official name is it's cleaned up the bathrooms are actually were fine i actually did a review for major league wrestling oh, yeah. on the stadium <laughs> journey website and it's a fine facility it was not fine at that one time i remember i remember reading it actually as you mentioned going huh because i i've never had nothing has drawn me wrestling wise to that place since it was well it was a, since I, I grew up. We went not necessarily. I even went with a few people. I, you know, I've I've watched a wrestling show or two. It's not something I watch all the time, but I've watched two in my life. And I went with a couple people who are not much wrestling fans. But once I told them this is the ECW arena. Remember the ones that you've seen the video of people throwing chairs? They're like, oh, we gotta go. 
So it's that type of arena. So um, yeah, I know that strays away from Baltimore, Washington a little bit. All right. Um, we, we have been known to go off on a tangent or two on this show before. But I did promise a, another venue in Baltimore that to me is the pinnacle of sports. And it's hard for me to even say this because, in fact, is that a Blue Jays hat you're wearing, a uh, Hopkins Blue Jays hat you're wearing, Paul? It certainly is, sir. So I grew up in Illinois. I'm not a Maryland person. So Maryland's favorite sport, and, and Maryland not only loves indoor soccer, Maryland loves lacrosse. I do not like lacrosse. I just, I can't, I didn't grow up with it. I just don't get it. My wife, who's from Maryland, she doesn't get it. I've never gotten lacrosse. But I had a chance a couple years ago to review Homewind Field at Hopkins University. This is a stadium, I think, built in the 30s. And there's nothing impressive about the stadium. It's pretty much cinder block stadium, isn't it? Yeah, except the fact that I have played there. Yeah, and Paul has played there. And to me, as a non-lacrosse fan, I went there. I still won't go all the time because it's still lacrosse, but I enjoyed going to that facility. Remember when I said when you go into some place and it just feels right? When I walked into home field field and there's lacrosse balls going everywhere in pregame and the fans are excited, there's people tailgating as if it was an NFL game. Johns Hopkins University, which is now a part of the Big Ten, the only non-traditional Big Ten school there is, is Johns Hopkins in lacrosse, Homewood Field, and I've heard it, it says it on Wikipedia, so it must be true that people refer to it as the Yankee Stadium of lacrosse. I have never heard it referred to as that, but sure. Technically, I looked it up on Wikipedia. The citation comes from Johns Hopkins Athletic Department, so do it what you will. (laughs) But to me, that's not like sports. Even if it's a sport I can't stand, I have no problem going there and just experiencing the action because mm-hmm. it feels good. They so, have football lines. It yep. does. It does have football lines. Bah, football. I'm out. They use it oh, for football. Fo- they, well, they used to use it for football, soccer, field hockey, lacrosse. Uh, I don't think they use it for track, soccer anymore, though. Track but, um, they use it for. But you know what? I think they do remove the lines. I, it's, it is artificial turf, but I think they remove the lines between seasons, even though it doesn't know you can usually see them a little bit. Um, well, I think it's a Hopkins. There, and weirdly enough, Hopkins um, has one of the strongest Division three football teams in the country. Which when I, know I played they there. Have, we, they, were Owen, we were Owen the last, my junior and senior years. They are actually quite good in the last few years. So that's my other recommendations. Homewind Field, Baltimore, Maryland, Johns Hopkins Lacrosse. It's a must visit for sports fans. There used to be the Lacrosse Hall of Fame used to be right across the parking lot. It used to be attached to the back of the stands. It is not anymore. Now it's up in Sparks, Maryland. Um, And actually the Hall of Fame has their own field and everything up there. But to me, that's it's sports. Uh, you could take a short walk up the hill and go wave to my old dorm room. It's now a now a museum. Yeah, it's a museum. Name. It just says Paul Baker. Paul Baker Museum. <laughs> Actually, uh, you ask anybody who went to school there in the eighties, they say they would point at that window. I've had friends who said we brought our kids there, and we point up that was Paul Baker's room because he always used to have his speakers facing out. There you go. And cranking the Van Halen when nobody there wanted you. to hear it. 
rank in some 1984. Uh, Greg says, uh, you know what the official state sport of Maryland is? It's not lacrosse, but jousting. It is jousting. Now, and Gregory, I hope he knows this one too. Lacrosse is the official team sport of Maryland. The official sport of Maryland is jousting, though. Wow. Like on horses with big skewers? It's it's like a traditional medieval jousting. Yeah, they do now. They do it with a target instead of uh, against a, a live person. Oh come on! I want I want human bodies involved. They don't do that, unfortunately. Ooh. So all right. So jo- talking about Hopkins gave us the nice segue. I was going to ask you about. There's a lot of colleges and a lot of minor league teams scattered around Baltimore and around Washington. Are there any that you've seen that are worth mentioning here? Um. Are we talking minor league baseball or colleges? Do you have a preference? Any, all, neither, none, whatever. Um, okay, so obviously, you know, obviously the University of Maryland is the big dog in Maryland, but so, I don't think most people know that um, the second largest state school in Maryland is not UMBC, even though they did such a good job against Virginia a few years ago, but is my alma mater, um, Towson. Towson um, is located right north of Baltimore has a very good FCS uh, college football um, program. They play out of Johnny Unitas Stadium. Johnny Unitas lived in Towson, and he was a huge supporter of Towson football for years. That is a really great stadium. Um, otherwise, in the area, we have a lots of Division three schools. Hopkins is Division three and everything except for um, lacrosse, which they are Division one. Um, the other thing in that I'm I still like upset is, that they renamed the College of Notre Dame of Maryland. It is not the College of Notre Dame of Maryland, which was Here referred the to acronyms. as Condom. It was, an all girl, it was an all-girls school when we went there. Well, technically it still is. It's Notre Dame, Maryland now. They got rid of all that name. And it is an all-girls school, except their their evening school is now co-ed. So um, go ahead, Dave. Uh, I was just going to ask a, a quick one about Maryland, about University of Maryland, which I actually looked up today. I was a little surprised it's actually closer to Washington than it is to Baltimore. Yes. Um, but that being said, uh, so do you do you think that they have sort of eased their way into being members of the Big Ten, or or is it still are they still pining for the old the old ACC days? I think that generally most people. Um, don't care about the ACC anymore. And there's two reasons for that. The people who really cared about the ACC, either they were college students at Maryland when they made the switch, they were a little annoyed, or the older fan base of the ACC realized that the ACC is not the ACC anymore. It's got Pitt and Louisville and Boston College, and it's not the ACC of old. Um, so I think lots of people realize it, it's just different anyway. I think generally most people realize that the Big Ten, and I'm a Big Ten, I grew up in Big Ten country. I grew up in Champaign, Illinois, five miles from the University of Illinois campus. I'm a Big Ten kind of guy. And when you go onto a Big Ten campus, and, and, and Mark, you're in that area, you know that when you go onto a Big Ten campus, it's got a certain – feel to it. I hate, I've said that a few different times. University of Maryland has got that same feel to it. It belongs in the Big Ten. That's that's a good place for that. But I said most pine people don't care anymore because the ACC is really not the ACC anymore. 
Well, yeah, and if you're a, if you're a basketball fan, um, you got to feel that you have a better chance of doing well in the Big Ten than you do facing North Carolina and Duke every year. Except that this year, where the Big Ten sort of did a stinkeroo in the um, NCAA tournament generally, um, including my Illinois team, which sort of flamed out quickly, whereas the ACC, the top big dogs in the ACC weren't even around really. So um, the other things that we've got in Maryland is that I think we've also got a really lots of strong minor league teams in this area. Um, Absolutely. Uh, the, you know, Frederick is one of the early um, innovators for the newer, we'll call it newer nineties minor league stadium. Frederick was one of the first ones. Uh, unfortunately now they're in the draft league. We'll see how that goes. I think the general normal fan base won't care. We've got lots of really good stadiums around here. Ripken Stadium is not exciting, but it's 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 a very well done stadium. Bowie, Delmarva, um, independent teams like the Southern Maryland Blue Crabs, uh, which is where I got my COVID shot too. So wait wait for that uh, stadium journey um, review coming up. It's a good um, story. Uh, um, I should make that a story, but you know, it, I was too busy getting the, the vaccine. I wasn't worrying about that. Um, and, the, and then of course we've got lower Pennsylvania, like York and Lancaster, which are sort of like Baltimore suburbs, almost in a way. Those have some really great independent stadiums and really the outlier around here was Hagerstown and Hagerstown is no longer affiliated, even though, even though it does look like they are going to go Atlantic League probably potentially next year. Yeah, but with the new ballpark, right? Yeah, they got approved, correct? New ballpark. They it sounds like they've gotten $75 million bond allotment from the Maryland Stadium Authority. And that's probably good enough. Good. Um, and I my guess is they might play municipal stadium temporarily because they're not going to get a stadium built in a year. Um, but assuming they want to be operational by next year, municipal stadium will do it. It's not a very, oh, yeah. it's, it's a dump. Yes. Um, I've enjoyed myself at a game there because we all know I like weird stuff. Apparently. You know, what um, shocked me is I thought that stadium was built like in the thirties or forties. <laughs> the stadium itself was built in the eighties. It's not that old. Really? No. The field. The ball- field itself is old. Right. In fact, I would compare um, Hagerstown to when I mentioned Reading earlier. That's an example of two different stadiums that are very similar in lots of ways, where one is done really right in Reading and one was nothing happened to it, which is Hagerstown. There's a nice yeah. dive bar out beyond the left field fence in Hagerstown, though, the stadium stadium cafe or stadium bar. Well, you're right. Just underneath the grandstand in Reading, it's that wonderful museum of photos and articles so and players you can just i can just go there and be entertained by that uh yeah they did it right hagerstown looks old i like those type of stadiums but you're right it looks like it's going to fall up the grandstand's going to collapse on top of you so it's uh and hagerstown is not really <coughs> one of the wealthier towns in the area um frederick still has um, 1981 that was built yeah, yeah. Hagerstown, hagerstown is far enough it can't be considered never a knew that. suburb whereas frederick can be Frederick gets a lots of people who work in D.C. It's got money. Hagerstown is a poorer area. It's now, hopefully, there, yeah. this, hopefully this $75 million bond from the state, from the stadium authority, if they can get a stadium, I think it actually can help that city a lot. 
And while we're talking about lousy minor league stadiums, how about the granddaddy of them all, Fistner Stadium? Ah! Oh. Luckily, I never got a chance to review it because I was technically <coughs> not a DC person. And even though I covered a lot to DC, I pretty much said no <laughs> to Fisner Stadium. I've been there once. I went for what was called the Don and Mike Bowl, which was a, a radio um, disc jockey team. And they had, they called it a bowl, but it was a softball game. And that stadium is horrible. Luckily, it's no longer as well. Right. Here's your official stadium journey uh, quick capsule review piece of crap. Mm-hmm. That's it. Actually, let's yeah. do this piece of crap out in the sun. Yes, piece of uh, a a sun baked piece of crap. Dave, Made I'm going to get aluminum. you. A, I'm going to get you. I'm going to take an aluminum seat, cut it in half, and give it to you to put in your house. And that, that is that is a it, it's <laughs> it, that would be more comfortable than sitting in a full aluminum seat out in the sun. Nothing about that place was ever good. Uh, Greg was ma- mentioned it in the uh, chat earlier. Uh, like paragraphs talking about that place, <laughs> just now, uh, how bad it we're was. We're talking about DC area stadiums, uh, and Gregory um, has done a few of these, and I've done a couple. Is there's a college um, summer league uh, that plays around the Baltimore Washington area? Right now, is only ba- uh, only DC area teams. They used to have a couple in Baltimore. It's called the Cal Ripken League, yes. and it's actually named after Cal Ripken Senior more than Cal Ripken Junior. Um, and they have some great little high school stadiums around Baltimore or around DC that they mainly play at. Um, and Gregory can probably tell a story about um, a very unique bathroom situation at the one in, um, I want to say Vienna, Virginia, or something like that. But there's a couple interesting ones about that. The Alexandria Aces, which is the same name as the former team in um, Alexandria, Louisiana. But the Alexander Aces in Alexander, Virginia, their former minor league stadium is they they play there. It's right near the um, National Airport, and it's not it's nothing great. But it feels like once again, it feels like a really great little stadium. And then the Bethesda Big Train, um, great name. Well, it's named after was it Walter um, Johnson? Walter Johnson. Walter Johnson, who's from Bethesda. The Bethesda Big Train, you go to their games, it feels like a true minor league stadium um, operation and everything. So there's some really great ones on there. Um, a couple of them are not as great. And like I said, Gregory's visit at the one in Virginia with the bathroom situation. It's It, it was in Lorton, and it was the FCA Braves, and the men's room was open, but the women's room wasn't, so they had to either use the men's room or a single porta potty on the hill beyond the left field fence. And the FCA Braves is actually the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So it's already a sort of an interesting little um, summer team anyway. So hmm. Baltimore, Washington, we have it all. We've got these really great facilities. We've also got some strange ones. My high school baseball field was a dirt baseball diamond, dead grass dying outfield, and a bench for 20 people, or a, a stand for 20 people. And that stadium was more comfortable than Fitzner. Yep. Well, just, everything is better than Fitzner. Yeah. A bag. Sleeping in a bag. Better than Fitzner. played in the middle of I-95 and it would have been more. Better ideal. stadium than playing in Fitzner. It's <laughs> Everything's bad. Uh, all right, Richard. That was 
fantastic hour. Thanks for actually your listeners may not know this. Richard was a last second addition. We were so glad to have you. Uh, I'm always happy to talk about Baltimore, my old stomping grounds. And this was a, a really entertaining hour. So do you want to let our listeners know if they'd like to follow your musings online where they can find you? So I am online and um, my user handle is at Cole Wiki, and that's K-U-L-W-I-C-K-Y. Lots of people ask me where I got that. That's because I was a big fan of the late race car driver, Alan Kowicki. He spelled his name with an I at the end. I just thought I'd be a little different and put Kowicki. You can follow me there. I will warn you that I am half sports, half politics, half ranting. And if you don't like left-leaning politics, you might just want to stay away. But, hey, I, I warned you. Hey, that, makes you, that makes you uh, right in line with uh, most of the panel here. So that's well, I guess Tommy Lauren will not be checking you yeah, out. Yeah, that's fine. No. <laughs> well, you know what? Follow me anyway and get argument with me. I'm going to win because I'm always right. So I still like my mom. I'm always right. <laughs> it's really weird. That's why we don't argue on, on social media because Richard and I are always right. That's correct. Oh, no. See? So, so uh, this is where we usually transition and recap our visits over the past couple of weeks. Richard, you're welcome to join us and uh, stick around if you'd like. I will. Um, so has anybody been anywhere the last couple of weeks? Mark, I'm looking at you. <laughs> I, You know, I was doing the math. I haven't. However, I did get a, a, a personal tour of the Spiceland Gymnasium in Spiceland, Indiana, uh, by the town historian and the uh, superintendent of uh, South Henry County. So it's this. 1937 WPA gym that is right off the interstate a couple miles down in this small little town. And I've always driven by to take a look. And I thought to myself, how can I get inside? So I made a few, uh, sent out a few emails and lo and behold, uh, uh, the superintendent called me up, said, you know, I can get you in there when you want to come out. So he brought out the town historian. He let me walk around, take some pictures and videos that's on uh, Stadium Journey right now, and it's also on my YouTube page. Uh, I have two videos from it. So I didn't get to see a game, but I was visualizing what it was like. As soon as you walk in, it smells like an old basketball barn. Uh, the locker rooms are right underneath the grandstands that I, I can't believe they, they were that small. You're picturing Gene Hackman from Hoosiers giving a, a speech. Uh, the brick masonry work is on the inside and outside. There's a stage, so sort of like the Baltimore Arena. Uh, you get, you still have the old team uh, center logo and the official colors. And, you know, I was there usually when I go to these buildings, I'm there by myself and I just kind of do my thing. This time I got to talk to a couple guys who were giving me stories about the place. Uh, one was 80 years old who remembers going to games and it being packed. And another was a young kid who would go to games there. So it was a lot of fun. And, and that's what I love about uh, living out here in Indiana. You get to check out these really nice former gyms that still have a lot of stories to tell, even past uh, their high school days. Beautiful. You got anything uh, coming up for the next couple of weeks, Mark? Well, there's there's quite a bit going on here. There's uh, I, I do want to go up to Fort Wayne and uh, check out the – the Fort Wayne Purdue baseball. I know we need an update on that stadium. It's nothing fancy, but it is on my list. Uh, Louisville has a new women's uh, professional soccer team. 
want to go down there. I want to go down to Cincinnati, but I told Joe Mulski, who's one of our new riders, uh, you know, if he wants to check out Xavier, UC, Northern Kentucky, be my guest, you know, save me a trip down there. So I'm looking at my schedule. I'm looking at some options. You know, when I, when I do my trips, I kind of want to hit a couple in one day if possible, Uh, especially Louisville. I do want to do want to check out Louisville baseball and, uh, also check out maybe that new arena football team or it's in the indoor football league. So if I can do a double header there, that'd be nice. I got kind of pushed back because the minor league baseball season started a little bit later. So I had to adjust my schedule. Plus I need three new tires on my car. So <laughs> remember like our, buddy, like our buddy, Tim Capper would say, not all indoor football is arena football. No, it isn't. No, no, no. This is indoor football. They're playing at the KFC Yum Center. I, I I mean, I'm excited about it, but I can't imagine what that crowd's going to look like in a 22,000 seat venue, even though I'm sure the only uh, the lower bowl will be open. You know? and, and where can our listeners follow your travels? Well, you can follow me at uh, Ballpark Hunter. That's on Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. Check out some videos on YouTube. I have two videos a week exciting stuff and i should really post some things on instagram since that's what a lot of the young kids are doing these days gotta stay current right i know or tiktok i don't know i don't know if that's even current anymore apparently yes. tiktok's a thing yeah <laughs> <laughs> pretty soon tiktok so it's ballpark hunter dan how about uh, you you got anything for calculating i know <laughs> you got you got your live streams uh got uh, nhl 21 coming up after this uh wrestlemania wrap up tomorrow a new game on Thursday. Keep an eye out on all social media platforms at DanLaw83 for that. And other than that, nada. Nada. <laughs> Aside oh, from doing something every shot. single night. Yeah, yeah, except every single night working more. Uh, vaccine shot uh, number two on Friday. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Dave, how about you? What do you got in the queue? Uh, Enjoying the uh, lockdown, stay-at-home order. Uh, schools were just... We're, we're actually on spring break now, which was pushed back from March, but schools uh, were announced to be going online after break. So, yeah, we're, we've got a whole lot of nothing going on. Actually, today uh, was the official um, canceling of the Memorial Cup, which was not yeah. a, a surprise at all because the, uh, the OHL hadn't started at all. Um, the Q, the QMJHL was pretty up and down, as was the Western League. So there was a little bit of junior hockey but uh, definitely not enough to, to really do the Memorial Cup and then with travel is, is a thing. So, uh, yeah, no, we got um, got some obstructive views coming up. Uh, I believe next Tuesday we're looking at Frontier Field, home of the Rochester Red Wings, uh, and Literary Journey continues. So um, I'm into an audio book called Where Men Win Glory. It's uh, called The Odyssey of Pat Tillman. Which is uh, which is pretty interesting. More um, more Afghani Iraqi military history than I was expecting, but uh, yeah, the author does uh, does a pretty good job of throwing the American military under the bus. More than Pat Tillman was expecting too, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, and uh, and I'm into right, right now Rogers World, which is a biography of Roger Nielsen, which is really yeah really fascinating. I'm, I'm I I was saying before Dan, I'm right at the part where uh, the Flyers fired him because he had cancer. Oh, God, don't even, <laughs> don't even get me started on that. 
organization right now. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't a good look for anyone at that point. But anyway. no, well, <laughs> well, never mind. Those, uh, you can follow me at Profan Nine before Dan explodes. Those years, <laughs> those, those years were not great in Flyers uh, front office history. Uh, Richard, you got anything coming up? You uh, so able to two, do any traveling? I had two visits to uh, Regency Furniture Stadium in beautiful Waldorf, Maryland. And I saw a couple games from the FEMA Pfizer shots. Um, and, you know, those were some really long games, um, <laughs> but those are all done and complete. But seriously, I haven't done anything since seeing an ex- that my last sporting event was an XFL game. So that's been a while. My plans are I have a summer trip plan. And at this point, I am looking like that I might meet up with a fellow Stadium Journey rider, James in Iowa. So hopefully I will be visiting the Iowa Cubs sometime in July. Hopefully between now and then I might get some college games in or something like that, like some college summer games or something. Well, hopefully you're not holding out for another XFL game to be like your next one. That could be a wait. Yeah. It could be a while. Maybe they'll be with the CFL. So maybe can I, can I throw a monkey in the wrench here, Paul? Sure. Uh, for all of our American, um, um, uh, members of the show dave you can't answer this yet you'll un- understand once i ask it uh vaccines are rolling out arenas and stadiums are allowing capacity down the line are you guys going to go to a game as soon as possible you're going to wait rich is going to wait i i have no desire for a while yeah i, Under- I won't go to a full stadium event yeah. um half stadium uh partial capacity no problem if i can spread out i'm fine with it i don't want to be packed into fenway park Nope. 35,000 sweaty people breathing on me. Like, no. No. Mark, you're, yeah. You got to unmute muted. for that one, Mark. Yeah, you're muted, Mark. Muted. Mark, Mark is still, still talking, <laughs> still but talking. he is not hearing. Mark, Mark, he's right. muted. Okay. There you How go. That? Well, see, I, I pause it because planes flying ahead. I, I just got my second Pfizer shot, hopefully a little over a week. I'm 95%. But who knows? Uh, I would probably go to an event. I wouldn't have a problem. I don't know if I want to go to 100% like Texas, but if it came down to 25%, I wouldn't have a problem with that at all. Yeah. I'll I'll tell you, when, October, when November happens and Ghostbusters comes out in theaters, see ya. I mean, I mean, I can tell you this, Dan. I went to a high school basketball tournament game, and I do not think there was any restrictions. It did not feel like any restrictions. Yeah, but were people on top of each other? People were on top of each other. I'll, I'll show, I'll were show they you masked? The video. They weren't masked. They were wearing masks. Uh, well, they, well, there you go. And, and, and there was one section that they have a lot of the uh, older season ticket holders sit, and they were on top. I mean, they're just bunched in towards the end of the of the court. I tell you, and, if if they're doing movie theaters at you know every other seats and uh, outdoor games, maybe I, I'd probably feel good going outdoor games and. Staying away from you, but some numbers come down a little bit before we start. Oh yeah, no, I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about two weeks after my shot. I'm gonna wait. Even now, I don't know why. Why can't we just wait a little bit and see how? Because freedom, Richard. It's my freedom. Mask around your neck. Go ahead. It's my freedom that's being impeded upon, (laughs) Richard. I can't sit here. America was built on freedom. No other country has freedom, just this one. 
<laughs> we do have that kind of we ask, are the, the, ask the people in Michigan how it's working out right now. No, no, no. I can see. Yeah. yeah I think we all can. All right. I'll stop talking. No, it's it's amazing that, I mean, like I, like I said earlier to you, Richard, this is kind of a, a left-leaning panel, I guess. But it's amazing that we're all kind of on the same page. Where, and I'll, I'll Listen, maybe I can spread out, but indoors. there's left and right, and then there's common sense. Well, well it's, I remember, and, and neither side has common sense. No, that last sporting event I went to was the DC Defenders game at Audi Field, and I don't know if you remember the big thing is that they had the big line of cups. The cops. Yes, the- I was in that section right next to it, and everyone in that course. People didn't know what COVID was, but they knew coronavirus was coming. And yes. the joke was, ah, oh, don't worry, you can't get coronavirus. You drink out of the cups. You should be fine. <laughs> and and then I think about it a couple months later. I'm like, oh, my God. We were jammed in there with everyone drinking and sweaty. Richard, Richard, we ran, we ran a wrestling show at D.C. Brow the three days before lockdown. I know, Butch I versus know. Gore. And I'm like, I look back at that, I'm like, we, uh, as far as I know, 100%, we all made it out of there. And I still don't know why, because all the wrestlers were coming in, we're going COVID bump, COVID bump, COVID bump. Nobody's shaking hands. Nobody's hugging each other. I'm wiping tables down. I'm telling people to grab their, like, grab your ticket. I'm not handing you a wristband. I'm not, you're an adult. Put your wristband on. Well, the day before I went to the DC Defenders game, I did the CAA tournament down in, in Entertainment Sports Arena. Stupid name in DC. And <laughs> that's the name of the arena, the Entertainment and Sports Arena. Whatever. So matter so, of fact about it. A few days after that, I started getting messages from a couple other stadium journey writers going, Hey, did you know one of the referees got coronavirus? Jesus Christ. Are you going to like quarantine? I'm like, I was no. I, then I started realizing, wait, I went downstairs to the free food that the press kit oh, that yeah. was right next to the ref. Oh, and that's why we didn't know much about it either. No. Well, yeah, no. cut to cut to now, and there are could, articles coming out saying that you get zero. There's almost zero percent surface transmission, so everybody's chilling out about cleaning things fifty times over. Set me because oh, you're wiping your food down with. Uh, well, I never wipes. wiped my food down. I wiped oh, we my did. Pa- for one week. I wiped my packages down, and I said, "You know what? I can't do this. If I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die. I die. I'm gonna die." Well, I remember when I was in Ohio checking out college baseball, they're like, oh, you're bringing COVID into Ohio. Oh, yeah, I'm bringing COVID into we Ohio. We all joked about it at one point. But. Was that Rich? I was Jared, like Richard. Things get a little bit more mecha normal before I start jamming into yeah. the state. Richard, you make a good point because it's like, it, it, we're it just, my goal is November. I just want that. Uh, I want, I am not rushing to anything. Uh, my favorite band in the world has postponed their tours uh, for the United States that hasn't been announced yet until the following year. Um, I just need to make it to November to Ghostbusters. That will be the first thing I attempt. I don't have any. I'm certainly not going to go see a Flyers game. I'm not risking my life to go see the Flyers right now. No, I wouldn't do that right now. The Flyers no. are a big letdown. So. Oh, yeah, that's it. Never mind. All right, so Dan's goal might be November, but I'm actually thinking about going to a game this weekend. Oh, oh Devils uh, lost three nothing to the Rangers. Wonderful. The, uh, yeah, good. the Danbury Junior Hat Tricks of the North American Hockey League are letting fans back in. They're letting a hundred fans in, 
to the 3,000 feet Danbury Ice Arena. So that kind of meets my threshold where I can feel okay spreading yeah, out right. there. And yeah. I can also actually have a couple of New Haven Nighthawk beers while I'm here. So that, that's nice. like oh, they, they have a New Haven Nighthawk beer? New Haven, yeah. Uh, nice. We were talking about beers earlier. There are a couple of guys from New Haven were looking to uh, get a t-shirt. He was looking. To, it started with him trying to get a t-shirt of the Great Nighthawk. Logo. And somebody from the AHL had the copyright and said, here, I have the copyright. They ended up taking it and using it in a brewing thing. So they have <laughs> nice. a whole line of beers under the New Haven. Oh, Nighthawk yeah, line. look at that. That is, I want a glass. Yeah, so uh, so uh, if we go to Danbury, we may have to take a side trip down to New Haven to check out the brewery. Oh, look at this. All sorts of merchandise. Yeah, so that'll be that'll be my weekend, possibly. We haven't decided yet. I, I talk a big game, and then I chicken out. That's what happened last week. How about Jersey Devil Beer with the old logo? I just sent you some clippings, Dan. And you can follow my stadium journeys on Twitter or Instagram at PuckFanRI. Don't forget to check out our website, stadiumjourney.com. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on YouTube. Like us on Facebook. You can find us at Stadium Journey. Uh, you can find the Stadium Journey podcast at vocnation.com or search VOC Nation Radio Network on your podcast aggregator. And remember, we simulcast live every other Tuesday night at 8 Eastern at twitch.tv slash 83 we will be back in two weeks. That is April 27th. It's going to be a good one. We will be joined by Mike Nutter and Mike Limmer from the Fort Wayne Tin Caps. So until next time, remember, and this is appropriate for all of us stadium journeyers, the waiting is the hardest part. I've been everywhere. Phil Apter has been in the pro wrestling business for over 50 years. Hey, talking here with uh, Arn Anderson. Arn, first of all, your height and weight. 6'1", 255. And now subscribers to VOC Nation Premium get exclusive access to Bill Apter's archived audio footage. And uh, where's your hometown? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, and... Uh, Give us something about your back. First of all, your relationship to Ole Anderson. Ole is my Subscription to VOC Nation Premium starts at just $3 a month and includes commercial-free audio and video versions of our top podcasts. Okay, we're speaking here with uh, the manager of the <coughs> World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, Tarzan Tyler and Luke Graham, and he's... Uh, He's sort of glowing tonight about a new prospect we haven't heard of yet. And for just $9 a month, Aptor's archives are all yours. Uh, would you tell us who this new prospect is? Well, I'll is? tell you, Bill, I've searched the world, and I finally <laughs> found a true world champion. I finally found... What's your opinion of uh, Ivan Koloff winning the title from Bruno San Martino? Well, I think... Uh, I don't know what to say, but I, I want to say one thing. Bruno was an LA champion. Hear exclusive interviews with the greatest performers of all time. This is Bill Aptor, and once again, we're speaking here with... Bruno San Martino. Bruno, first of all, how did you and Bruiser lose that title to the Valiants? Well, actually, it was a, a, a very unusual loss, if you want to call it a did loss. Did didn't have anything to do with this? Well, yes, but the whole thing is this, that the rules, as I always understood them, was that you, the title could only be lost by pin or, or submission, which is the same rules as uh, my title, the World War Wrestling Federation. That night, uh, it was... To sign up, it's very simple. Head to premium.vocnation.com 
or go to patreon.com slash VOC Nation. VOC Nation takes you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history.